the American Toffee Podcast, your source for stateside views on Everton Football Club. Hosted by James Boyman and Ryan Williams. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the American Toffee Podcast, aka American Toffee Sadcast, aka in some places maybe American Toffee Madcast. James Boyman here, joined as always by Ryan Williams to recap Everton's 3-1 loss against Manchester United at Goodison Park. It is now three consecutive losses for Everton in the Premier League, the first time Carlo Ancelotti has lost three consecutive matches in the Premier League in his career. It is also now eight Premier League matches without Richarlison since he signed for us. And in those eight matches, zero wins. Probably going to uh, refer back to that stat a few times throughout the course of this episode. And with the loss to United, Everton are now eighth in the Premier League table after what was a very encouraging start to the season. So quick shout out to Scouse Blue on the Discord. Not probably a scenario where we want to be correct about the score, but he did predict the the 1-3 to United correctly. Ryan, kick things off here. Give me your initial reaction. You told me before we recorded you were quote unquote fired up. Well, first of all, kudos to Scouse Blue uh, for not having COVID. Um, that was a mix up, <laughs> as we found out on the Discord. Uh, this is the type of quality dialogue you can get here on a Discord. Yeah, I'm mad. Uh, I'm frustrated as heck. Uh, you know, it, much like the Southampton match where we Southampton at least is playing really, really well and tight. We we let them do whatever they wanted. You know, ex- we knew exactly what they were going to do going into this match. Man, you the same thing, and we simply let them do it. So. I, I'm going to save a lot of my ammo for later. So why don't we get into the Twitter reactions out there from some of our guys? Yeah, let's go first to Milwaukee Toffees on Twitter. It's so Milwaukee, ask- actually, James. Uh, <laughs> oh, Milwaukee. Milwaukee. Okay. Yes. Right. Okay. Uh, ask Alice Cooper. He'll tell you all about it. <laughs> okay. That's well, a Wayne's World reference for everyone out there. Sorry. No, it's okay. People will get that. Uh, so so the the comment was we have... We have no one that can be a game changer off the bench. We continue to show our lack of depth. Players are going to have off days, but top six teams have a bench that can get you where you want to go. We don't have that. Mitch Winslow at winning slowly. It was much better than the previous two games. Squad desperately needs depth and attack. A little bit of a theme there. Rob Mitch, 802. DCL always outnumbered. Need Ducore to finish. Bleep. Sig always seems to play back, not forward. Accurate. Good link-up play with Bernard and Dinier. Iwobi was good. Coleman has a huge impact in attack. And lastly, Taylor Platt at CT Platt 2. Absolutely brutal defense from Holgate and Keane to get split twice. Combined with Coleman not closing out. James played like bleep today. Too bad. Uh, two, bad first touches and poor delivery. This game should have been a W and they didn't show up. Pretty fair analysis all around, I would say, Ryan. I'm with Taylor. Uh, I think he's the one, and I know you probably closed with that one because I know how you feel. Um, yeah, getting split twice was unacceptable. Um, before we get in the lineup, too, I definitely want to bring up the stat we we brought in to just kind of clear expectations of what we're up against. Um, Manchester United's non-penalty expected goals this season before this match was 4.6. That was 18th in the Premier League. Two out of their nine have been penalties so this is a bottom three open play offensive attack in the whole league so just thought that was worth mentioning anything else before lineups james no let's get into it ryan early kickoff and we get 
six changes to the lineup. We have Seamus Coleman returning at right back. Mason Holgate returns for his first Premier League appearance and actually senior appearance for Everton since preseason when he picked up that turf toe injury. Luca Dean returned from his one-match suspension. We also had James, who seems to have recuperated, although how fully uh, I think is up in up in the air after watching his performance yesterday. And Bernard gets a long, I think, anticipated start on the flank. Carlos searching for answers in those wide areas in the absence of Richarlison. The Holgate inclusion was very surprising to me. Yeah, uh, I, 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 I mean, I, I, we talked about how they don't necessarily do a ton of volume of crosses, but they will attack from the left. We'll get into it, but I think it was very obvious that he was rusty. Uh, the chemistry isn't there. It's so important to have chemistry in your back line, especially your two center backs. And Taylor pointed out him getting split twice. I think the real question was, are we back to the Christmas tree? Or are we back to the 4-3-3? It looked like when they came out that we were back to the 4-3-3, but I think that was in question. I, I also wonder if Sigurdsson plays, if Andre is remotely healthy. Uh, or Delph doesn't go down with an injury because I thought Fabian at least gave a structure and was a bit of a quarterback and and allowed contributed enough from kind of that left deeper role to allow Allen and Decore to kind of get out there. But I, I think the key was in the lineup. What I was hoping to see was I, I was actually hoping we play the Christmas tree or at least play more narrow because the Man U midfield, we thought they'd come out with Fred and McTominay, and they did, and we'll get to that lineup in a second. The teams that have had more success against them, as we said in the last pod, are the teams that were playing more narrow. And you saw you saw Manchester United's lineup, and I think the biggest one that most people pointed out was Pogba was dropped. But we talked about it in the last pod. He's been quite mediocre this year. So um, I think there have been a lot of questions about the team construction at Manchester United and it seems to me it does work better when Fred and McTominay are in there as kind of your back two. We figured Ole would go back to the 4-2-3-1. Um, he's played it almost all year. Arsenal, they played differently and did not play particularly well. Uh, Mod on the right was not a total shock. And, and as we saw their setup, he drifted a lot left to, to stack that left side with overloads. But the second you knew Rashford was listed at left, you knew they were just going to attack down that side. He yep. would pull back and and Bruno would drift over there. And sure enough, when you look at the tactical setup, that's exactly how it played out. Yeah, pretty unsurprising shape wise. I mean, what you do see from the average positioning is that, of course, on our on our end, you have Hamas and Bernard kind of drifting inside a little bit. But Bernard, I thought. This is, particularly with Dean was looking to to link up down the flank and, and find space yep. wide. Hamas, I think he's he's definitely drifted centrally, but I think early on, at least in the match, he certainly did that a lot more frequently, almost in like that number ten type position, but mm. struggled early to be effective and actually throughout the entire match kind of struggled to be effective. But as you said, Ryan, I mean Juan Mata is a player that hasn't played super regularly for United, but he has um he has performed actually quite well even though he may not be the first player on the team sheet and to drop Pogba seemed like a, a prudent decision from Ole to try to get a response and maybe offer something a little bit different someone Mata who can be a little bit more creative play a little bit higher up the pitch and be successful there he's a good player he's pretty underrated he, he's you know huge the the analysis the data community loves Mata um <laughs> But he was effective. Uh, he's not going to be a great defensive player or anything like no. that, but he can drift in and he's effective in space. Um, but still, still, this team is exactly what they thought we thought they would be. Mm. Um, 
I, I think it's worth noting, too, when Fred and McTominay have played together in that 4-2-3-1, the last two matches, you know, Arsenal, they they didn't do that. But, um, I mean, they absolutely shut down Chelsea. I mean, Chelsea's expected goal was 0.25. I mean, and that's a high-powered attack. They gave up one goal against Newcastle in a match that was a little more wide open, but they, they were dominant. I mean, so you couldn't have expected that. We mentioned already the Manchester United's not a hugely high-powered offense. Their their defense is pretty sound when those guys are back there, and we should have anticipated that that would happen. The thing that was obvious to me when I looked at kind of the positioning was not surprising that they attacked mostly left and, and they had people drifting over there to stack that left side, but I'm looking and you see how high Gilfie Sigurdsson is. And Allen's definitely behind somewhat Decore. Uh, yeah. But I, it's such a problem with that. If they're attacking down the left side, you need to shift your midfield over to accommodate. And if Allen's going to go and drift that way and try and win a couple balls, that person playing on the left side better be sitting behind him. Someone right. has to sit deep. And we saw, I mean, in the third minute, I saw it when Bruno gets the ball on the left side, where all three are in a complete and other line and absolutely bypasses our midfield right in between Gilfie and Allen, right to Mata sitting there in the hole. And you cannot leave those kind of gaps in between your lines. You just can't do it. And that's why Carlo, I know in the past, has really always said, very Italian of him, of course, but very <laughs> said that he likes playing in two banks of four, playing that four four two defensively because you can condense it. It's easier to organize. And we didn't see it at all today. And I think that is what frustrated the heck out of me. And we'll get into it. But that that's that's really where a lot of the breakdowns came. Uh, it's just bad midfield shape. And I, I, I don't understand it. I, I don't understand. It. I mean, uh, even from the get go, I mean, minute one to get into it, you know, right. Rashford drifts deep like we thought he would play Shaw through. Thank God Bruno was sleeping because he played a low cross right into the box. Holgate was just standing and ball watching, turned, realized, oh, geez, he's there. Thank God someone came in and picked off the pass. But that that's how it went, at least in early goings. Yeah, United dominated the opening 10, 15 minutes. And the only kind of saving grace for us was there was an early play where, where Hamas sends the ball wide to Dean. Dean has an exchange with Bernard. Bernard cuts in uh, with a little cross on his right foot. DCL tries to flick it far post for the goal, and it wasn't too far off, but not the most quality chance. But then by minute 13, we're looking at two-thirds possession by Manchester United. 15 minutes. Yeah, and Man U started to ramp up the pressure. I think they kind of they smelled blood in the water, so to speak. And there was that play in the 15th minute where I think Fred tries to – there's a ball, there's a corner, and, and Holgate kind of hits it with his thigh up in the air, and then Fred is sitting on the edge of the box waiting for it to drop. No one closes him down. He's pretty open, and he tries to like volley at one time, whiffs completely, and then he's still pretty free. He's got his back to goal. He does like a, a bike, a flick over the top of his head, and somehow Martial is in on goal completely wide open. Holgate leaves him, and – Martial completely scuffs the chance, sends it wide. But that was that was a real red flag. Besides that first minute chance, that was sending off alarm bells in my head. Like, this is not great. This is not great. And then just Hol- a couple minutes yeah. later. Yep. No, go ahead, Ryan. Sorry. No, no. I mean, Holgate kept him on. Why? Yeah. Get in line. I mean, the second the ball goes out, the whole team moves forward. Needs to move out. Right. Right. And Mason's a yard or two behind everyone. That's how Marshall kept on. The second I saw the flick over, I'm like, oh, he's got to be off sides. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, there's no way. I mean, you had people so on the open. posts on a quarter. If the guys on the posts, and I think we did actually have some guys on the post, which 
you know, that's that's a debate whether that's the right move or not, because you can get off sides if they're off the post. The second those guys move forward, how are they in front of you, Mason Holy? And that was, again, maybe he's just not in the rhythm or whatnot. Uh, Pickford actually did pretty well coming out and, and making making it tough on him and, and playing a decent angle. Pick is pretty good on low balls. I give him credit for that. But that was a go- that was a golden chance that Martial had. And I think he was probably just as surprised that the ball was there. and He was on side yeah. as anybody else. It really um, did just fall to him. It, it did. It did. But uh, and so, yeah, at that point in the match, I was pretty frustrated. You know, we saw, you know, a long shot or two from Bruno. So stuff like that's predictable, which is not a good percentage shot. I don't know why he continues to do that. Only really needs to talk to him about it. <laughs> um, but sure enough, in the 19th, the tide turned. Yeah, it was interesting. This was out of absolutely nothing. Yeah, it was just a long ball. DCL flicks it. It goes to Bernard. Nice little move by him. And he was lively all eve, all all day, all match. But through Aaron Wan-Bissaka's legs, that's no small accomplishment. And Everton are up 1-0 really completely against the run of play. Very much, very much. And uh, I was worried. But the second that happened, I'm thinking, wow, we've gotten pretty lucky here. Lovely finish by Bernard. A, a lot yes. of people were upset when the lineup came out because Anthony Gordon wasn't even on the bench. That's why I thought maybe we're going to play more narrow because Anthony Gordon's probably best used against a tired team running outside. And man, you, we talked about them maybe being fatigued from playing in Europe that week. But Bernard took his chance. I thought he was awesome. Most of the night he was dangerous, smart with the ball, effective. And uh, this was a great goal. And I'm glad it happened to him because he really put in a shift. So I'm thinking probably the same way you are. Wow. We're up one nil in the 20th. This is not a great dynamic offensive team by Manchester United. Let's sit deep a little bit. Let's get organized. Let's let's get our shape back and make it tough for him. And and what happened? Not that that not, at all. Not at, at not all. Happen. Not it at all. We were only able to hold the lead for six minutes when Bruno Fernandez drifts right through our defense fairly easily. And it's a to his credit, it's a really nice header, perfectly placed. Yeah, it was. Absolutely nothing Pickford was going to do about that one lofted far post back of the net and it was just as as you said Ryan so frustrating to see us play right into their hands to gift them that after we had taken the lead with no real justification for it we should have really kind of sh- set up shop to maybe just see out the next 10-15 minutes of the match control the ball yes. and we weren't able to do any of that United just continued to apply the pressure and yeah it's an it's a level match at that point on 25 minutes and i don't think many evertonians were feeling too too confident it was like all the all the brilliant responses we've seen from the first six or seven matches of the season seemed to evaporate and it was like watching the same old everton yet again in a lot of ways it was an infuriating goal to watch uh i just was so angry about it the second one i got even more angry uh verbally there was not pretty at the Williams household, but I, I, this, the whole sequence is very frustrating. Um, you know, Mata comes over all the way over for support. Rashford, you know, plays it back to Rashford. Rashford plays it through to, to Shaw. Coleman doesn't close, close down on him, but okay, fine. Or actually maybe it was James out there. It was a nicely shaped cross, but it wasn't hit hard. And so Michael Keane is stare. He keeps looking on his left side. He sees Bruno Fernandez there. There's no one else for him to guard. He looks at him twice. The cross comes off. He plants in to head for the cross. What are you doing, man? Turn and move your feet first. It gets over his head too late after he plants. Can't get it. 
And Holgate can't get there. I mean, he, he's got Marshall in front of him, but come on. He's at, at like the 18. Doesn't close. There's way too much of a gap there. I, I Maybe he thought Keen had Bruno. I think that's fair. Keen is completely in no man's land. I, and it was an amazing header. I mean, perfectly placed. When you watch it again, you really appreciate how well and how well-timed the header is. But gosh darn it, Michael Keen, you got to do better. Holgate, you got to respond to that. It's just disappointing and and it would have been okay if it just hey it happens whatever we move on and and i gotta admit you know a couple minutes later i started to get excited i thought okay well we'll just write this off because sure enough what happens we came flying down the left side and boy that it's our best chance of the night really yeah this one was luca dean getting a little selfish because he is in and he he has he has a shot there's no Mm -hmm. no disputing that but he's got calvert lewin at the six begging him to cross it not marked in any sense Luca Dean tries a cheeky near post shot and deflects off the post DCL puts his head in his hands can't believe that he wasn't given the opportunity and that kind of summed up really our night on the offensive side of the ball if you ask me Um, and then six minutes later Man United go up 2-1 with a bizarre bizarre cross where Bruno lofts it in we get caught out First of all, we talk about the space that we had in behind our midfield. Allen and Decore just get oh. caught, get just get caught too high up the pitch, not yep. looking to cover defensively. Rashford, as he does, gets in, has the ball. Allen doesn't close Rashford well, allows him to get behind, looks to Bruno. And it, the goal itself is really bizarre. And it's a little harsh on Jordan Pickford because the cross comes in. He thinks that. Uh, Rashford's going to get ahead on it, and then he ultimately does not. It goes far post. It goes in. I, I mean, there's so many things wrong with this play. I don't even know where to start. Um, first of all, Alan Decore, are, are you kidding me? Marcus Rashford, their most dangerous player. The reason why Decore should be playing out there in the left, the reason why Alan should be behind him supporting Decore to go out and get that guy, that one guy, he's it. I mean, he's the one guy you cannot let get open. He had acres of space behind them. The gap between the midfield and the and the defensive line, Marcus Rashford was wide open. What are you doing? So fine. He plays it through to him. Terrible. Allen takes a bad route back. Doesn't ever get between him and the goal. Let's him go, which at that point is at the 18. I don't care that they let him go. That's fine. Whatever. But Rashford passes it off to Bruno left. Seamus has to back off Bruno. Shaw makes a very right. nice wide run. I, Luke Shaw, I I know people make fun of him for maybe he doesn't look like the most svelte footballer. (laughs) Um, That's very diplomatic. I know. He's actually a decent player. I'm not saying he's amazing, but he's probably a little bit underrated. underrated. So Bruno chips the thing to the corner. Uh, It gets over Keane again. Uh, Maybe Keane is there in no man's land again to cover Seamus, afraid that Bruno's going to cut inside. Holgate has Martial at the 18 again. he just doesn't get over. He doesn't move whatsoever. There's a massive gap between them. The only thing I'll say about Pickford is when Bruno faces him at the corner of the 18, he, he's almost on the goal line. He's maybe yard out. Yep. I, I think that's the one where you may say, okay, maybe you should have been a couple yards off and you could go and scoop up that cross. True. Um, but it's a terrible goal to concede I, on, on every level. I just... It's infuriating to watch us come right back and do that, allow them to bypass the midfield again. I mean, the whole point of getting these guys is to solidify the midfield. 
and they're pushing up, pushing up. And I, it's just, it's, it's so infuriating to watch that. That's complete lack of discipline, lack of intellect, intelligence. No one was responsible for it. It's infuriating for guys that just know better. And sure enough, we then conceded two goals in open play from a team that, again, doesn't even have an expected goal of five for the whole season. And this is all in the first 34 minutes. I mean, what can you say? I mean, I, I'm so still frustrated about it. I, I don't even know. I don't even know what to say. And then in the 36 minute right after it, James gets picked by Bruno and uh. plays Martial in. Thank God he was off sides almost luckily. And I'm just sitting there thinking, like, what are we doing here? Like, we are just right. completely not playing with our heads. And that's the thing. I, I actually think that we have a decent enough team, even after this one, in terms of our play at times. But this is all just mental mistakes and lack of discipline. Yeah. And I think I think there's something to be said for the, the lineup changes. I, I do think Holgate coming in after just returning to training in the week probably did unsettle Michael Keane a little bit. He, him and Mina had been such a steady partnership. Mason yep. was off the pace. And I think they, again, I think they're probably our, our best center backs starting together, but weren't on it today, just trying to to get back to it. Um, Dean, I thought, you know, played well, but but I don't want to focus too much on that. We'll get into that in a little bit. Um, we get to halftime, it's 2-1. And then the second half, I, I, I honestly thought it was an improvement overall. Yeah, but but some re it got also very very contentious and physical and Bruno Fernandez miraculously avoids getting a a red card after picking up a yellow in the fiftieth minute. He had so many weird challenges. Yes, James Coleman and him were going at it all match, fighting, fighting, fighting. It was and obviously there were no goals scored, but James and Coleman were able to link up. Coleman makes a really nice run and he has the opportunity to shoot and he takes a, a, an extra touch and then the chance is gone immediately. We just weren't at it at all in the second half, even though I thought, you know, we had a couple decent chances. Decore has an okay chance. He had a bunch late. I, I it's, yeah. it's, it, you're right. I mean, it's one of those matches where you feel like you should have got something out of it based on the second half. That was right. a big chance. I don't know why Seamus took that just one extra touch was a great great square ball by Hamas oh, too and then uh, there was just a couple moments in the second half where you thought that wow may maybe we are going to get something in the 65th minute that Bruno Coleman tussle how Ooh. on earth does he not get a yellow for that I mean he he was just all over Seamus grabbing him holding him finally Seamus kind of chucked him to the ground but which I loved <laughs> yeah darn right I would have done the same darn thing I can't how is that not a yellow at least on both it's unbelievable and so I thought the big difference in the match in terms of us turning up the heat on him was the sub of a Wobi in for yep. Sigurdsson. 100%. Um, it was a massive difference. And the nice part about it was we get to see James playing a little bit on the left side, sending balls on both ends, especially over to a Wobi who they kind of left out there. And as we said, I mean, Alex on his day, especially against tired legs, he's a handful to deal with in the final third. And I thought he was very effective. There were a couple other chances off. I think it was off the corner. Bernard kind of the ball fell to him off a of volley on the 18th. He skied it. Um, yep. Oh, God. And then how about in the 86th minute? That's right. Forgot about this one. Bruno's late challenge on Dean. How on earth is that not a yellow? He totally takes his legs out after he plays a long ball. That was just that's another one where you think, wow, if they're down a guy and we've got you know, there was five or six extra minutes or maybe there was four minutes of extra time, but I think there was more after 
uh, you know, another thing happened and, and uh, you're just thinking, wow. And then in extra time, we, God, we had a couple of good chances. I mean, Allen plays that lovely pass and how good of a job does Coleman do boxing out Fred there? Right. Right. It's, yep. it's so good and lays it off to decoray and he He's was liked it. mortified after the fact you could tell. I, I know. I know. I mean, the close up of his on face that. on camera. Oh, I know he looked like he was going to cry. That wasn't even the worst miss. That's the sad part. I know. And then in the 94th minute to Corey had the one hopper. Can we talk played. about that combo, by the way, that combination yes. of passing. Oh, my God. Beautiful. Holgate wasn't great on long balls on the day overall, but that was a sensational pass to a Wobi. Just really, really quick one-time cross. And to Corey, again, he had the chances. The chances were oh. there. So, you know, you go back to, yes, United probably should have had a red card, but I did want to quickly talk about, so So James did seem to indicate to the bench around the 80th minute that that he would have to come off. And so yeah. this just speaks to our, I think, personnel problems as a squad where we're bringing on Cenk Tosin in the 80th minute. We're taking off James, bringing on Cenk Tosin. And I saw that a lot of this on Twitter and I'm inclined to agree. It really gave me like flashbacks to the Marco Silva era where you're making substitutions without a real clear plan other than to get offensive players on that can perhaps score a goal. But that's a different personnel substitution. And it's unclear that we really adjusted our tactics. The other players didn't really adjust no. to suit that. So it really kind of threw the whole, any kind of cohesive rhythm that we were developing off at that point, even though again, we did create a couple more opportunities after that. Hated that sub. It messed with our shape. Uh, we looked like we were really settling in to put consistent pressure on them. I, I get the idea. And who else do you go to? I would have put in Tom Davies and told him to play on the left side. I mean, Tom will push the pass with energy, mm. with legs. Um, and Shank just kind of seemed lost at the races other than the yellow he took. Um, I, yeah. And you look at the bench and you and you say, wow, OK, we well, got Mina. Sure. Olsen. All right. Good. Godfrey. Yeah, he's a versatile defensive player. And whereas in the past, we've had a lot of, you know, last match against Newcastle, you had Bernard, you had a Wobie, you had, I think Gordon was on the bench too. So you had yeah. attacking talent and then you look at who's out there and you just, I, I don't, I also don't understand. I mean, I think we probably figured that James would probably not go 90. So right. I get it. Um, but yeah, that, that, I mean, Wobie was your real danger guy. He came on and Jank, yeah, it just wasn't the right thing. It kind of messed with our shape and that was a shame. So ultimately, of course, we were unable to equalize. And then in the 90, what, 93rd minute, was it? 94th minute, we really threw, we're throwing everything at them. DeCorey misses. When, I mean, it was a skipping ball. I get it. But yeah. he may, I mean, geez, you know, I, I, that's tough. You know, if he, I mean, and then obviously it goes back the other way. Holgate probably should have attempted to, to, put Cavani off sides and I mean you can't really blame pick for not saving that it would have been lovely no. but it wouldn't it wouldn't have mattered it wouldn't yeah. have mattered it's just a last gasp effort and we get beat on the counter and you yep. know the second that they were over midfield you kind of knew what direction it was going to go yep. and Cavani scores his first United goal not super uh not super proud to have done that but yeah very little Pickford can do when you're one-on-one -on -one with the keeper and you've got a finisher like Cavani who you know was maybe Maybe people sneered a little bit at United signing him, but he is an efficient goal scorer. There's no two, no ifs, ands, or buts about that. Yep. El Diablo gana. Yeah, gana so, goal. So let's talk performances, Ryan. Obviously, I think the collective squad was subpar, but 
sprinkled throughout, there were some okay performers, guys who maybe, so I think the most obvious, obvious person who jumps out is Bernard. We talked about him already in, a, in the absence of Richarlison, which we talked at the start of the show, we've been struggling to replace any kind of production and, and dynamism that he gives us. Bernard, I think was the closest one to come to coming anywhere near Richarlison's level of production. He looked dangerous. He looked agile. And again, we talked in the pre-match about what an elite on-ball defender Aaron Juan Visaka is, and he's really struggled to get near Bernard all, all match long. It made a lot of sense shape-wise. He kind of pulled him out towards him, composed, played Dean in a couple times. They combined, as we've seen them in the past, they had good chemistry. And it goes to show you, if you had good two-man game, can beat even the best back, and we saw that. Uh, I, I think Dom put in a shift. He won a lot of challenges, held the ball up a couple different times, uh, you know, constantly winning aerials. He, in essence, set up the goal to Bernard. Um, and I think other than that, I mean, I, I think Alex Awobi was amazing spark off the bench. The fact that he had a 93.8 passing percentage, considering every touch he had was in the final third from the 60th yep. six minute on. I think he had like 25 touches. Not a single bad touch, not a single giveaway. He had one tackle, but he tracked back a bunch of times. I, I thought he did an outstanding job coming in there. It, it makes you kind of wonder, maybe he should play on the right. Uh, I mean, most of his good matches, with the exception of the match in the Cup, has been him off the right side in the Premier League. And I, I just, we get into it a little bit later if we want, but I, I kind of wonder if it's not time to put James in the middle um, and, and play Alex out out on the right and i mean something's gotta gotta give in terms to balance the midfield um yeah i agree think, do you think decorey and allen played well or not i keep going back and forth i mean if it's tactics that have them playing a little higher up the pitch fine but if we're gonna play four three three, gosh i would really like to see james playing kind of in a deeper playmaker role and have those two guys deeper more disciplined behind him that's how i would like to see us play i think it would help with our breakout too to play almost more of a box and or alan right. can play even deeper and let decore go i don't know i mean i i guess they were active they both had six tackles each what are your thoughts yeah i agree because when we saw awobi come on we did end up seeing hamas drop a little bit deeper into defense uh not in defense but drop deeper to receive the ball look to create things going forward and in so many times in the first 60 odd minutes he was in that half space on the right hand side looking to play that long switch ball with his left foot that just become a recurring theme every single match but when he drops deep or a little deeper more centrally he is able to provide that sort of link up play going forward that Gilvie sigurdsson seems either unable or like consciously unwilling to try to play because you look at the pass map which we'll talk about shortly and like there's just nothing from him going towards the opposition goal. It's purely backwards sideways, which won't surprise anyone because we've talked about it ad nauseum as a fan base for a long time. I think something like that where you do have Allen and Decore more reliant and more disciplined staying back and get the players who are good going forward, good creating passing forward, like James, the opportunity to sort of link up play in that way. And then, yeah, may maybe a Wobi out wide on the right is a potential answer because Hamas, um, I think he fell firmly into the OK camp, bordering on bad. Maybe he set the bar so high in his first few appearances that that it's a bit a bit harsh on him. Also coming off of an injury, but we relied on him so heavily, and he looked so basically unstoppable that to see him kind of look maybe a little pedestrian, a little human, 
over the last couple matches has kind of boggled the mind a little bit. It's a little frustrating, but again, it's kind of a, a failure of the entire squad. Um, but to your point, I think Allen and Decore do need to be a little more defensively disciplined because there was just acres, of, especially against a team like United who don't create well from open play and are going to look to counter. You can't have your two guys protecting your defense getting caught out like that. No, it's frustrating. And you look at their guys up top, Rashford and Bruno are their danger guys by a mile, but they're also allowed a lot of freedom to play where they are. They're not going to pressure you. How on earth could we not have possessed the ball better? And I couldn't yeah. help but thinking, let, let's talk about that pass map now. I know we're jumping the gun here, but it's ridiculous looking. If anyone wants to go out there and look at it, it's basically Holgate and Keen back and forth. A little bit out to Seamus, that's it. Gilfie is a complete black hole. I mean, no one is passing him the ball. We know how bad he is at getting himself available to receive it. You throw James over there, it's a completely different thing. Yeah. You have Decore and Allen deeper. I mean, we would have just possessed the ball, worn them out, especially early on a tired team. That's what you needed to do. And yes, Fred and McTominay are good defensive mids, but they're going to play deeper. Make Bruno and Mata run. Mata is not young. He is not fast. I don't understand how you can't possess the ball a little bit more. And and yes, pushing fullbacks high. Fine. I get it a little bit. I want to be dangerous, too. But geez, drop the mids, please. It frees Thomas so much more liberty to move and he can use it both sides. He would get many more touches. And the more touches James Rodriguez can get, the better the better off we're going to be. And, and that's why. Yeah. And that's why when we look at kind of, you know, I'm not sure if to and Allen played played well or not. The, the stat I will point to is both had six tackles each, which is just outrageous. Yeah. Um, but how many interceptions did each of them have? I believe it was a fat zero when we yeah. talked pre recording big fat zero. That to me is problematic. Now, Allen contributed more on the offensive end. Decorey got in dangerous places and probably normally scores one out of those two, which is what you want him to do. You know, Allen had four dribbles. He was fouled four times. I mean, he turned it on. I, I love how he responds in particular when we go down, but I'm sorry. I mean, no interceptions. What are we doing? Why are we playing ahead of those two guys? Play behind them. Get in between them and the goal. Make it hard for them. Um, but what I about can't Jordan say, Pickford? Yeah, I, I, I can't. Maybe a bit of blame on the second that we talked about, but I, I don't think he was horrendous uh i thought coleman played all right too i mean he got forward a couple times dangerous on the dribble he had a couple tackles or had four tackles i think but he was attacked all day i mean maybe he could have closed down a couple times more but but really th there were a couple really bad performances that you know sorry guys we're gonna have to call you out we've already gone off on sigurdsson i i just don't the set pieces were not good i think it was 0 for 4 on crosses um 37 touches playing in a deeper midfield role 37 touches. What did he do with them? Almost nothing. I mean, he had key passes a couple, but it just I, the pass mass says it all. I, I, I don't understand. Look, we've tried him up top. We tried him higher up last match. He can't receive a ball there. He, he, he was got a bunch of shots off. Big deal. He really did absolutely nothing with it. I think he had what, like 14 giveaways last <laughs> week. Just some, ins uh... some insane number. And, and I, so, yeah, OK, play him deep. Get the ball, get him on the ball more. I, you saw nothing defensively. Positioning was off uh, and, and just was not effective in linking play. I mean, Dean and Bernard were basically on an island out there. And then, I mean, what can you say about the center backs? Yeah, I mean, we talked about it earlier. Mason Holgate looked very rusty upon his return. I still think that he, on, on their day, Keenan Holgate do give us like the right level of balance between 
physicality and ability in the air and passing ability, a bit confidence going forward, all those sorts of things. But it was just wasn't on today. Holgate looked like he was a step slow, a little hesitant. Um, eight for 14 on long balls. So he was trying them unsuccessfully and, and had a couple of really unfortunate giveaways. And then Keen, yeah, just, I mean, he's been maybe our most, one of our more consistent players so far this season. But as I said earlier, I do think that the inclusion of Holgate instead of Mina kind of threw him off his game. Maybe in, obviously in theory, they, their communication should be better because they actually speak the same language, but his distribution wasn't great. And he just kind of looked off the pace as well. Yeah, they they just did not play well as a unit at all. Yeah. Um, and it was very disappointing. Both goals they were collectively big time at blame for and, and really shouldn't yeah. shouldn't have happened, in my opinion. Yeah, and I think that's that's kind of the big takeaway is we continue to just shoot ourselves in the foot. Yep. We let teams dictate their exact style that we that we predict. Like we if we can predict it, you bet you bet that Carlo knows what they're gonna try to do. And yet now Southampton, even Newcastle to a little bit of an extent and Manchester United have all been able to kind of play the way that they are most successful. And we, for some reason, haven't really been able to stymie that in any way. And so it's really, and I think Terry McAllister on Twitter said it really well. And I think kind of just to zoom out a little bit and put things in perspective, it's been a really bad three games, but what he said was, no point playing the blame blame game with players. The past three games, the whole squad as a collective have been poor. It's a long season. We've seen the good and the bad side of things now. We need to come back from this international break better than they did from the last one. So obviously this little snippet in between breaks, this three-match run, four matches, three matches, has not been as we had started the season. So it is going to be a little bit of a regrouping phase for the club, and we're going to have to, we're going to have to improve and Assuming we can get healthy and get comfortable with each other, I, I don't think that we're going to consistently be as bad as we have been. But you got to start to ask some questions, right? I think absolutely. We, I mean, let's go back to our last pod. What did we think we might look for? Man, you being tired, unmotivated, wanting only gone. I mean, who knows if that were the case because they were already up to one in the 34th. We didn't make them run. We didn't make them work. They came out harder than us. They had the ball. They were better organized. We were defensively poorly positioned to disorganized from the get-go. It's not good. And then we looked at the key to victory. Keys to victory. I think we had four. The one we pointed out we thought would be good was be physical with Rashford. You want to respond to that one? Because, I mean, yeah, we fouled him twice, but, uh, you know, Arsenal beat the daylights out of him. He wasn't particularly effective, but I think he was pretty effective. I think, yeah, I mean, four key passes ends with he, he was dangerous all day. He was finding acres and acres of space. Yes. And I think part of that may be down to the fact that we were asking Coleman to do a lot on the offensive side of the ball getting forward. So maybe he wasn't quite able to cover. But that's what you said, Brian, where you need guys to then cover behind him. We didn't do that very well. So we let Rashford, their main threat with the ball at his feet and one of their only goal-scoring threats, do his thing against us. And furthermore, we did the exact same thing with Bruno Fernandes. If we said, if we can stop these two guys, then we'll stop United. And Bruno had a field day. He had, he had 80 touches, for heaven's sakes, the, the second most on the team. Uh, that's just, that's not okay. So if you go down and look at his numbers in terms of duels one i mean his numbers his attempts are just they're too many uh <laughs> frankly it's it's pretty simple uh he just had too many opportunities to 
to do damage against us. It's it's really that simple. I mean, the guy had six shots. He hasn't had six shots. I mean, in a while, you know, uh, everything four dribbles. He hasn't done that in a while. They have very few people that dribble anyway. Offensive duels. He had 12 offensive duels. I'm going down That's to see crazy. when he last had 12 offensive duels. I'm going down. I, I, I literally don't see it. I mean, we're talking I mean, not even for Portugal, the Nations League, man. <laughs> 12 offensive duels. He just got too many touches. And his movement's a little bit clever. He's a very good player, but we said that. Get on Bruno was the key to victory number two. Get on him. We absolutely did not do that. I mean, Fred only touched the ball one more time than him. That's that's not acceptable. I mean, you know who their guys are. And what was number three? Be disciplined. My words (laughs) on our sheet, my words, my exact words. They don't create that much. Don't overcommit. Uh, You did on the second goal. uh, Yeah, right. They don't have great dribblers. They aren't that dynamic other than the players above. Let them serve crosses to Yuri and Keen all day. And guess what? They only serve seven crosses. Why? Because they had acres of space in the middle and they didn't have to. Uh, and even the crosses they did. I mean, it's not like Mason and, and you know, Michael Keen did very well with them, but, but right. it, they didn't have to. And number four, counter exploit their midfield. Not at all. Wear them no. out. Make them defend from the inside out. Get their midfielders to spread out and deal with us. Uh, go right down the middle, open them up. And, and we just didn't. We didn't attack them all that well directly through the middle. I mean, you see the pass map. It's going around the middle. And I understand Fred McTominay are very good, but there's plenty of opportunities to possess the ball in the midfield and either pull them out and play behind them or just possess it, wear them out. And, and we didn't do any of those things. I mean, literally all four keys to victory. Fail, 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 fail. Yeah, it was a uh, just... <laughs> And in United, and that's the thing, they didn't, it's not like they played all that well. We just let them do the small things that they are notoriously good at. Yep. And they beat us into the ground with it. And and we didn't play very well. And I think, again, there's no point in singling out any individuals, but we've got to figure out that third midfield position because it really, I mean, it, it has looked the best when Andre Gomez is in there. It's just clear to, I think, almost every Everton fan watching that Sigurdsson is Never really going to be the answer, but for some reason, Carlo keeps selecting him. I think, as you said earlier, that that's mostly just a, a function of who's available at this point with the injuries to Gomez and, and Delph. But it's just never really going to work with a player like that who doesn't contribute anything going forward because DeCorey brings the ball forward. Allen's good at, in theory, winning the ball. But when you've got on the left-hand side, you need that link-up because that's where we're most effective offensively. And then you've got the black hole, so you're you're leaving Bernard and Dean so to do it all themselves, and it just doesn't it doesn't work. And so, it doesn't. If you've got to pick and choose what you're going to do there, either you're going to have a third creative guy in there that will literally create and thus put Allen and Decore behind them to support them, or put someone in there that has enough discipline that you can let Allen and Decore run around and hunt and do whatever they want. So I've heard a lot of critiques on Allen saying he's slow. Agreed. He's not fast. But a lot of things saying, well, he's really a box-to-box mid. No, let, let's let's set the record straight on that one. He flat out came up all the way through Brazil. I think he was loaned out to Vasco and eventually went to Udinese. He came up as a defensive mid. He was a sitting six for Udinese. Now, he played a little more expansively, I think, in his, you know, later. And then eventually went to Napoli, and Sarri made him more of a box-to-box. But there is no reason why he can't be more disciplined here. That And DeCorey is another one. People are like, oh, well, you know, he's an attacking guy. I suppose he has goals. No, he is not. 
He is more comfortable playing defensive mid. He's flat out said it a hundred times. Yes, he can get box to box out of his own athleticism. He only played in the 10 last year because Pearson played him there, yeah. uh, which I don't think was a good idea, frankly, even though they had some success. Um, so you got to make up your mind. Though, so. They did. They did. But you got to make up your mind what you're going to do with these guys. Either you right. have Allen truly sit and be disciplined and let Decore kind of sit back with him a little bit or attack the ball and show some athleticism. Fine. Then put someone creative in front of them like James or or put someone behind them who's disciplined. And maybe that's where Carlo wants them to be. And just Delph was hurt. Or JPG. Yeah. I mean, are we ho- putting our hopes and dreams on JPG, who I know was a really good player before he got hurt? I love the fact that we got him. I think he's a perfect natural sitting six, even though we've seen him play some center back. He, in essence, had to play a little higher because I think it was Kunde. They, Kunde, they allowed him to play in the back mains just to get him on the pitch and push JPG. But I, I think Bameen is a nice sitting six. So if that's the solution where he's going to sit and then you let Allen and Decore kind of go back and forth a little bit more, that's fine. But he's not healthy. And Delph wasn't healthy either. So I just don't get it. I think we're not getting it in midfield. We're just not. And I think the only solution in left Delph is going to be your holding mid in the back is Allen has to be more disciplined. And I really think we're going to play 4-3-3. I want to see both those guys playing deeper, almost like a 4-2-3-1. Right. Uh, I, I, I just, and play, and Hamas will play deeper too. He doesn't need to play up the pitch. It has to be one or the other. We have to make a decision and go with it. We just have to. Yep. And so now we have a couple weeks to sort things out. A couple, I guess, what is it? Two weeks now that we'll be able to not have to think as much about Everton and the misery that, They've brought us recently, but I do think that this this is an opportunity to regroup. And again, the year I'll say probably say this after almost every single episode that we do. The Premier League is just crazy this season. You've got everybody beating everyone. You've got last I checked, Leicester City top of the table, Southampton up near the top, United still in the bottom half. It is going to be a wild season. There's a lot of parity. There's a lot of teams that can are going to get hot, and then those teams will get cold. And that's exactly how Everton started the campaign. It's going to be about just grinding out results at some point. And this was one that I think we should have at least gotten a draw from, but yep. there will be more. There's going to be plenty more to come. And I think, again, if we can get fully healthy, we still have the prospect of JPG returning next month on the horizon to add that little bit of extra depth in midfield. Anthony Gordon, who we barely mentioned, but we should probably talk about over the course of the international break because he did play for the U23s today. There's a lot of questions, and and Carlo will have to sort of sift through it all and come up with some answers. And personally, I still have full trust in him, despite the questionable maybe personnel decisions he's made lately. But I I don't know, Ryan, any last words on United? I think I still think this Everton team is a pretty good team. I mean, we Mm. said we were shooting for top six this year, and I think that's a realistic goal. Some people think no, this is the same old mid-table Everton. No, I don't believe that. I think the key, though, is the organization of the team um, and putting the right players in the right roles. I think Carlos probably learned quite a bit about this team in the past couple of weeks. But ultimately, I think there is enough talent there for us to achieve that goal, especially as weak um, or as balanced or whatever you want to call it the Premier League is this year. I do have faith in that, and I have faith that he'll get it, he'll get it sorted. But I, I just... It's very frustrating to see performances where you know what the other team's going to do and you really don't take them out of it or you don't respond. I, I mean, you know, we pushed people right, but we just didn't. We weren't effective in doing what I think we wanted to do. It's just tough to tell if that's 
the individual players being undisciplined or frankly, our tactics are just a little off. But I am hopeful that the talent, there is enough talent there. It'd be nice to have an addition or two in January. Um, but I think there's enough talent there to truly give that top six a run. Yeah, and furthermore, we haven't really talked about him since the top of the show, but Richarlison will return after the international break. And it's clear that he is perhaps our most important player, most influential. And I, I look forward to us being healthy, seeing the lineup that we were so successful with to start the season return and see what results that brings. And um, with that, folks, thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please do leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform. And follow us on social media on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at USA Toffee Pod. Join our Discord, invite.gg slash ATP. We'll be with you guys next time. And until then, up the toffees. Thanks for tuning in to the American Toffee Podcast. Come join our Discord community at invite.gg slash ATP. And follow us on Twitter and Facebook at USA Toffee Pod.